on the tee, Jack Nicklaus. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Bogeyman Golf Podcast hosted by Dave and Johnny. Uh, we've got a very special guest, but before we get into that, I just want to direct you guys' attention to an, another four ball that we are giving away. We've given away a four ball to Paris Court a couple of weeks ago, and now we're giving away a four ball to Arklow Golf Links. So all you guys got to do to win or to be in with a chance to win in is get onto our Instagram or our Twitter Follow us, retweet or share the post, and tag the three mates that you would play with. Uh, you can share it on Instagram and Twitter. Get your mates to share it. The more entries, the better. Um, but with that, with that, we'll get into the interview. Paul, how are you doing? Good, Johnny. Thanks. Have you been? Uh, have you been keeping Sorry. these last few last few days and weeks? Ah, oh, grand. Yeah, we've had a few things. The weather's been all right. We've had a few things to play in Team Ireland that set up a few days for us and stuff. So. We've had a little bit to play in and it's actually been enjoyable. It's like the first summer I've had in, I'd say, eight years probably where it hasn't been nonstop hectic golf. So, How did you find that? Because obviously, like, that's, that's your job. <laughs> so how, yeah. do you, how do you find not having to play golf all the time? Well, you still play it, but it's not to the same extremity. Whereas like, if you're traveling, it's, takes your, it takes its toll on you. Whereas if I'm driving to the island there, driving wherever to play it's not really that you know just you play your 18 holes and you practice and then you're home so yeah it's just when it's your job you just take it as your job but I suppose even being a top amateur you pretty much the only difference between pro and amateur is you don't play for money the summer schedule is still really hectic so yeah you're still putting in all the hours worth of work and playing yeah. all the competitions so even at an amateur level it's still Still a full time full time gig. It is, yeah. It's now a full time job, the amateur game. So you mentioned the, the Team Ireland event there, and actually well, you might as well start with that. Um how how was your, your, your game going into lockdown? Because you had the uh, the Mina a good few results from the Mina tour. You had what yeah. uh, top five and top ten at the Gala Open and then the Bahrain Open. So like going into lockdown, you were you were in good form. Like that was only in February. The end of February. Yeah, I was playing well. We, I was, to be honest, I I was just playing solid. Like I came off fifth and eighth or something. I think fifth and seventh maybe, and I didn't really feel like I played unreal. Didn't even feel like I played great. I just played solid. Stopped making stupid bogeys. Kind of just the fairways greens, which I'm usually pretty good at. But I just kind of got my focus was better on the course and stuff like that so I was disappointed that lockdown came because I was looking forward to the season but can't do anything about it I was playing well so I was happy and that's all you can do really how do you how do you cope then when like you know you are playing well and then it's totally out of, out of your control that you just gotta you just gotta wait because it's, it's impossible to make a plan as to when you may be back or or what events you'll be back playing yeah, I don't know. I'm not like, I don't know. 
I'm not very intense when it comes to that sort of, you know, not, I'm not like, oh God, I got to work really hard for this event or that event. I kind of just go the same all the way through. Now I'm not like overly intense with my preparation. I prepare well, but I'm not like so driven towards this or that or the other. So it's kind of, I do my preparation for a tournament, but it doesn't change too drastically from my daily practice when I'd have three or four weeks off, if you know what I mean? For anyone that may not may not know you, could you let's go back to the start, if that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. Give us a, a, a whistle-stop tour as to, to who you are, where you're from. You mentioned the islands close by, so. Yeah, that's uh, the islands my home course. I'm, I'm from Malahide, but. I've been a member of the island since I was small. My dad's a member out there, so he kind of, well, when I was young, I think I was 11 maybe I joined, but I had been playing golf for a good few years previous to that. Um, I kind of took up golf when I, I took it up really young. I remember there's a picture of me when I was about two, hitting balls in Ross Lair driving range, I think it was. My granddad was from Kilkenny and we were down in Wexford for the weekend. And I'm, I don't obviously don't really remember, but I was hitting a few balls with a cut down six iron that we got. And that was kind of the start of me playing golf. But I golf didn't really, I played a lot of hurling and football and they were probably my two main focuses up until I was about 15 or 16, maybe. So, yeah, I kind of just played a lot of sport and that was really what I was into. I had no other interest. I was about to say, with family in Kilkenny, hurling must have been on the agenda from a pretty young age. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. My dad's from Offaly, my granddad's from Kilkenny, so they're too, well, Offaly, not so much anymore, but they were, at the time, me growing up, were two hurling giants, really. And, uh, yeah, my granddad played hurling, and my dad played hurling. My granddad played hurling to a high enough standard that he I think he won a Leinster with Kilkenny in 1934 or something, maybe around then, which is a long time ago. But <laughs> uh, I think Hurland's changed a bit. But yeah, Hurland, mm. I always liked Hurland. Hurland's, it's a great game. You know, it's, you go to a Hurland match and it's so entertaining. And then you play golf and it's a little bit more slow paced and two completely opposite games. Yeah. So, you, so with, with playing the other sports, with playing GA and Hurling, what was the what was the attraction of golf that you're like, or when did the attraction of golf really become a bit more serious for you to turn this into a career? I don't know. I always liked golf. I always played it quite a lot. And I suppose I got, I got on the Irish under 14 panel. And then the following year, the Irish under 16 panel. And I'd been on, I've been on Irish teams all the way up since under 14. So that's probably when it got a little bit serious for me. And... I don't know. Like I, I played, I played minor up on, I played football and hurling up until minor, so that's seventeen or whatever. And then I went to college in America, and that's when I kind of realised, all right, now you, you should probably just play golf. I had a lot. Of, I, I never really broke anything or hurt myself seriously, but you'd have a lot of niggling injuries that would, yeah, really not be great for golf, especially playing hurling. Your hands would be charred up a little bit. Do you still have a puck around now with your mates when you get back? Yeah, the odd time, some of them. Uh, I, during lockdown, myself and dad, we had a few puck arounds. 
and that was like the pastime. We just go out onto the green or out into the road and poke the ball around. But yeah, we do. I suppose the odd time, not really too much. Not many of my mates play anymore. No, like with Sylvester's, a lot of them would play senior football with Sylvester instead of hurling. So yeah, we don't. Not not too often, to be honest. Did many of your mates play golf? Uh, not not re not many of my school like my my group of friends that I'd hang around with. Uh, well, they didn't up until lockdown, and then they all joined Balcarric because there was a deal going in Balcarric, and they wanted to take up golf, and they absolutely love it now. So yeah, I have a few friends as well that are the same. They're taking it up and they're hooked, which is great. Yeah. I mean, it's great for the game. Yeah, I asked, the lads are loving it, so it's great. Yeah. I asked about um, whether your mates playing because you took a you took a trip recently down to down to Kerry, didn't you? Yeah, that was with uh, some lads from the island, uh, myself and Gav Moynihan, Brian Walton. We were uh, three pros went, and then five of the lads, five amateurs from the island, and we played Tralee, Waterville, and Ballybunion. I was that's good unreal, proper yeah. proper setup down there. That's the. It was really, and the weather was good. It was an amazing trip, amazing couple of days. Did you play a bit of a bit of a match, bit of a team thing, or is it all individual? Um, we had an individual, so like we'd have individual going, which was your best three or your best two rounds out of three, and then we had teams on the day. So like it would be there was nine of us. So there's, sorry, yeah, there was nine of us. So there was three man teams each day, and we had the match then on the days but not overall that's cool who won who won the uh, I think Keane McCormack won Keane's a four handicap from the island but he's a bandit off four <laughs> so he was always going to win they had me and Gav playing off plus four plus five or something uh-huh. so we would have had to shoot fairly low under par to try and beat them boys Especially out in those courses, that's no, yeah. no easy feat. <laughs> um, so then you you were saying that come seventeen, you made the decision to to really pursue golf. But you also made the decision to go to the states. Um, we had we had Mark Power on. He is obviously currently a Wake Forest student, but so are you. What was the uh, what was the attraction of Wake Forest? And, you talk, tell me about like the decision making to a go there, but also just go to the states because I think a lot of people we spoke to at this point with Gav and and a few others and everyone not everyone stayed for for the full term, but everyone went there and and took a lot from it. Yeah, I I always wanted to go. I don't know why I wanted to go. Maybe um, I don't know if there was like there's an attraction to America because you see good weather all the time and you see the courses and you see this and you see that. And it's really, a, it's, it's really a great chance to go and play some really good courses against good players and get an education at the same time. And it just, it just fit right for me. I visited Wake Forest and I thought, geez, this is where I want to go. It felt right. The two coaches, Dan and Jerry were great. I just knew there was something nice about the place, something that I was like, oh yeah, I want to go here. And it was a great decision. It was the best four years I, I can remember. It was amazing, some of the experiences. What did you study? Uh, communications and entrepreneurship. So it was, uh, 
the way Forest is quite a good school academically and I'm okay academically but I went over there and realized that I was kind of on the lower end of things academically in Wake Forest so I took what would be the probably the not as much tests and stuff more writing and papers and stuff so it wasn't really pressure based you know it's hard to get a, it's hard to fail a paper if you fail a paper you're you're not really I mean it's not that but it's easier to fail a test than it is fail sure. a paper especially when you're you know you're a student athlete where you're you're constantly traveling and competing and training to write a paper probably gives you a bit more time to reflect and do that rather than cramming for an exam yeah so it was easy like because you'd be away on a trip you'd have a four-day trip to wherever and if you could write a little bit every night it would all just build up whereas if you're doing exams you're kind of having to reschedule exams with professors because you're in xyz and you know it's it was a little it would be a bit more stressful now some of the lads did do it some of the boys but not too many of them a good few of us did communication and it's kind of a common major among athletes i'm sure well, i don't know about mark but mark if i was to guess would probably do that as well so uh, I'd, lo- I'd love to talk about kind of the comparisons between college golf over in the states and 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 the amateur scene scene here in ireland i like obviously have no no personal experience but i would have thought that the depth of field would be like the biggest comparison between the states because obviously at a high yeah. level you're playing against good players regardless but the the pool is deeper oh yeah without a doubt it's i i always say that i say at the top you know it's not not a huge difference there is a difference now i would say but it's not a huge difference it's minimal and but as you go further down it's like there's a serious serious well there is there's a drop off in golf in the uk ireland and europe that america doesn't have because they've just got so many players like i was on the team with lads who I'd be like, these nobody's even heard of these fellas and they're really, really good players, you know? So it's... Whereas in Ireland, you kind of know all the good players. Everyone's names is up in lights here, there and everywhere, kind of. So, yeah, there's definitely way more depth in college golf in the States. Do you think that kind of stood to you now as you've, you've turned pro and you're, you know, you're, you're playing on, on MENA tour and you've obviously got your eye on, on getting up to the European and PGA tour? Do you think that kind of awareness that the depth is there and that, you know, that'll yeah. stand to you, it'll harden you? Yeah, I think it, yeah, it does. It's at the end of the day, though, you'll have players that will do both ways. Like, um, say, someone like uh, Shane Lowry never went to college in America and he did, he's obviously doing great. So it's, yeah, if, if you can use what you had to your advantage, then it's a great a great building block for the European and PGA tours but if you don't it's not you know so it's just whichever people have different ways of doing it I think it helped me going over there and other people would be happier to stay at home and it helps them to stay at home so it's yeah it's everyone just does it their own way you know moving on to the Walker Cup and getting getting to go play over in, in LA country club that must have been that must have been a wild experience yeah I was great it was from the whole week was great. We arrived on the Sunday night. Um, I was already in the States. So the lads flew over from me and Harry Ellis were in the States and the lads flew over from um, all of them, obviously were from 
either Scotland, Wales or England and got in the Sunday and the, with the whole week was just an experience. It was amazing. It was great. Uh, the result, obviously, was so difficult to beat them. As we it was can a, see, it was a pretty stacked, done. Yeah, yeah, pretty stacked team. <laughs> you could give us a run through of who you were playing against or who's on the US team. Um, geez, the US team. The first, the, the I played. In, I played all the sessions, all four sessions. The first session I played against Will Zalatoris, who was went to Wake Forest as well, was my roommate, and Doc Redmond in the foursomes, and Will's leading the Corn Ferry list, and Doc's just came second or third there the other week on the PGA Tour so you have them lads I played against Colin Marikawa twice in the singles and then in the foursomes Norman John Scotty Scheffler was there Cameron Champ Braden Thornbury Maverick McNeely it just the, uh, Doug Gim I, can, I think eight or nine of them have PGA Tour cards there's, but one of them has a major so there's it was a fairly fairly uh Fairly stacked Walker Cup team to play against. It must give you a lot of confidence, though, that you're you're seeing those guys and, and what they're doing, and you know you were you were mixing it with them and you were, you were putting it up with them and playing with them on a regular basis. That it must it must get you pretty excited for when this does return. Yeah, it does because you see someone that is people that I've played with a lot. Like I I played with I somehow played with Scotty Scheffler and Colin Murakawa a lot in college as well. So. I knew them. I knew them. I know them both fairly well, and to see them do so well is like, oh, maybe I can, you know, step it up a notch from what I have been doing because I've struggled since I turned pro, really. So, kind of does give you a boost, but it gives you a bit of like realization. All right, you need to get going here. If these lads are last group in a major and then win that one of the the other one wins that same major, you're kind of like, all right, let's get going here and try to. Because they were your peers and your competitors less than three years ago. Now they're a lot of steps above you, and you, you can't let you have to be able to step up to the mark and try to get up to that same level that they're on. Is there something about him in particular that jumped out to you playing against him, or you know, um, was he was he was he a good player? And like obviously he was known as a good player, but was there an X factor about him that you're like this guy's? Unbelievable. He's one of them lads that, uh, you know, I think the Victor Hovlands, the Cameron Champs, the Matt Wolfs, they're going to wow you by if you play with them once and they hit it so far and this and that and the other. And that they have, I would say they have more of a wow factor than Colin, but I've played with Colin, I'd say about 10 or 12 times in college. So I knew what his game was like consistently, and that is literally what his game is. It's just so consistent. It's incredibly consistent, really. He's just—he's really solid tee to green. He can be a bit dodgy on the greens, but he's just—he's really, really good. Very streaky on the greens, not dodgy, I would say, but he's really consistent tee to green. I mean, he's—he's machine-like. I—I'm. When he won, I kind of thought back of the times I played with him. I remember, the, I remember some of the rounds. I remember where I played him. I don't remember what he shot or anything. But there's one round in Mexico. I remember he shot five under. And it's this kind of. It was a windy day, now warm windy day. It's not like windy days here, but it's a, it's an awkward golf course in Mexico where if you it's one of these if the fairways are big, but if you miss the fairway, it's lost ball. So 
the tee shots are quite intimidating. And I think I shot two over or something. Maybe it was tied. I think I was inside the top 20 or something because it was just tough. And he shot the easiest five under I've ever seen. I and mean, he should have he should have been eight or nine. And he was leading the tournament at, from shooting five under. He just created so many chances. He was that was the one round I was like, God, he was really impressive. And I played against him in the Walker Cup. And the game we played, it was it was all right game from what I remember. Probably both of us around level par or so. But that I just knew from playing with him so many times how consistent he was. I knew he was going to be very good. Those kind of really consistent players are almost the worst to play against at any level because you yeah. know that with, with with some guys who will you know bomb and gouge it up there they might hit it miles but it could be very easily just be caught in the long roll for whatever whereas mm. he steps up on the tee you know he's he's gonna be fine he's gonna be in the middle of the field yeah he's once between 165 170 balls balls being straight all the time but it looks the thing so yeah so then you obviously turn pro shortly after after that walker mm. cup um was there, a, was there a point that you knew that, you know, you, you were good enough to contend and to pursue golf professionally and not just be, like, a very good golfer? Um, I you know that before you went the away for us, like. I didn't really know before I went away. I knew I was good, but I didn't. You didn't know how good you were because the pool is smaller in Europe. But when you when I went to America, I realized, God, I can compete with these lads, them lads I named previously. Like I, I can, I could compete with Colin, I could compete with Scotty, I could keep, compete with Cam Champ. So I kind of, re- and these they were already kind of very highly regarded college golfers. So I knew if I can compete with them, then I can, I can definitely turn pro. And I think Walker Cup kind of validated that for me. Kind of said, "All right, you made the Walker Cup. You can, you're good enough to turn pro. Now it's about stepping it up another level because it is another level up." And so then you mentioned a little bit earlier on that, like you you struggled a little bit since turning pro. Do, do you know what that what that was that you you can put your finger on it, or was it just a you know, it's just a timing thing or just a, a transition? I don't know. It's a tough one. Like, I just had a few weird events when I turned pro to start that I don't know if I lost confidence. I probably did lose confidence. But my first two events, my challenge door event in Santo Mare, and I shot two under first round, and I was, like, tied fifth or something after one round. And any of the lads who have played Santo Mare would know it's quite a mad old place. And I shot seven or eight over in the second round, missed the cut. So that was kind of... Like, oh, so first event, you're in a nice position and then you miss the cut. And then I went on to the following week, I went on to play the BMW International in Germany on the main tour. And I was well inside the cut line through 27 holes. And I think I shot 40, maybe. Yeah, probably. I think I shot 40 on the back nine, the second round to miss it by one or two. And you're just, it doesn't catch it whether you try or not or when you try not to lose confidence but you naturally lose confidence stuff like that when you really haven't played too bad and I don't know I don't know it's hard to put a finger on I obviously haven't played good enough golf but yeah it's I've had good weeks that I haven't really capitalized on where I've played well and come like 20th or 24th and that happens in pro golf but 
they have to be your average weeks and your good weeks have to be top tens, top fives and wins and stuff. So Yeah, it's like what you were saying earlier on. You played the Bina tour, you got a top five and top ten, and you're saying that you're playing fine. Yeah. And that's the difference really, isn't it? Is that your your lowest bar is still that level of result. Mm. Um and that that's like that's a great confidence boost it must be. Yeah, it is because I know for me, I know when I'm playing well, I know I can compete at any level, most levels anyway. But it's about being able to string four rounds together playing well or three rounds together and then scrambling around one round and shooting two under or something, kind of keeping yourself going instead of shooting two over and then you're way down. Like you see it every week on on all tours where someone would shoot 66, 68 first two rounds and then shoot two over and they're tied 40th or something. And you put two good rounds together and you just wasted on it. Probably didn't even play too bad, just didn't score great. That's what the best players do. They score well when they're not playing great. So that's probably what I struggled with, to be honest, at the start. Whereas you kind of say, oh, I played well, but I didn't score well. Whereas you'd have more experienced lads who would not have played well, but shot two under. And you just shot, played well and shot one over. And there's a big difference between that. So what do you do to to rectify that? Because you're working with Neil. You've been working with Neil Manchester yeah. since you were like 13. Yeah, I, Neil's been my coach for age. Now, are we just... For me, it's about being able to, the more I can replicate my tournament feelings in practice, the better. And we do that a lot, like the practice. And I feel like I'm getting better. I'm getting, I I am getting better at that. I am getting better at like making my practice intense. It might, I might, I might only hit a couple of balls in, well, not a couple of balls, but I might only hit 20 shots in an hour. But every shot counts rather than you just ripping wedge shots into a green from 95 yards and Neil's great at that he's really good at practice he's very good at how to like ways to practice instead of standing up with uh, I don't know 50 balls and just ripping 6 irons and then getting another 50 and hitting 4 irons and getting another 50 and drivers like Really, anyone can hit well on the range. Yeah, consequences, pretty much. I know it's really, you can't replicate tournament golf, but we do it to the best of our ability. And I play a lot of games with lads around. Um, we play some games like with Cormac or Robin, Gary Hurley, Gav. Like, there's loads of us that we play games that you'd have consequences for and stuff. So, you, yeah, that's kind of. That's where I need to improve, I know, because I can go out and I'm I'm generally pretty good tee to green and I become a little bit kind of, I don't have the same freedom on the greens and it's what I've been working on. I've got much better at it. I really feel like it's coming along now. So I'm looking forward to getting back out and playing and replicating what I've been working on. Yeah, I'd say so. Is that uh, green work that technical or, or psychological? Uh, no, it's one. It's main. It's all psychological, really. Like if my putting strokes is good, I know my putting strokes good. But it's about being able to. If I hit a four footer or a five footer on a practice screen, I want that 
similar feeling as I do on the course. Whereas on the course, you start thinking, you have a little bit more negative thoughts. You have, you're playing a put right edge and you're thinking, oh, is it going to break? Like, you have to be so committed to right edge and just roll it. That's kind of what I'm working on. That's the main thing that I work on. What was it like getting to play? You played in the Hinch in 2019. Mm. What, what was that like because you you went through it in, in the qualifier and, and got it got in and yeah it was that was great well, was, i qualified on the sunday and then you go to lynch on the monday so it's really it's nice like that i went down to i didn't play great in lynch to be honest i really didn't play as well as i i, I like lynch i've played well around lynch i shot 70 70 i think did i shoot so yeah 70 70 so level par well, yeah, level par with because they took made two holes par par fours, but I didn't really play great. I thought I made the cut on Friday. I birdied the last. I I didn't think I made the cut, but I knew I had a chance. And then I got in, and I thought I made the cut, and then I missed. It was kind of like it was a little bit disappointing, and I was it, yeah, it was disappointing because it was such a good week I had. Like the buzz down in Lynch of the town itself was class. I had a few friends coming down Saturday, which would have been great to have them because my friends never really watched me play. A few of them were down on Friday and a few more were coming Saturday. So it would have been great to just have that. But hopefully, if I do things right, I'll have loads of Irish Opens. So what, what, are you keeping, what are you doing to keep busy now then at the moment? There was that Team Ireland event the other week. Um, are there, is there more of those coming up? Also, there was the Irish Golfer shootout as well. Yeah. Uh, we've I, had a I, few Team Ireland's actually. Oh yeah, we've had. Um, I say we've had four now at this stage. It's just not. We just kind of Team Ireland set them up, and it's not really highly publicised or anything. It's just hmm. we go out and play for thirty six holes, and winner gets that amount, whatever amount it is. And they've been great, to be honest. <laughs> say it, it's the closest you get to competition. It is competition, but it's close as you get to like real tournament feel. When do you think, or have you have you heard when when your tournament golf will be returning, or is it looking uh, like it'll be twenty one? I think I'll well, by the looks of things, that Northern Irish Challenge will go ahead in a few weeks, and I'll be playing that. So that that seems like the first that'll be the first event back by the looks of things. Yeah, I, I'm not like big on like oh you must do this or that i i just really want to see i want to see continuous improvement from myself where i can really see on paper i can see right my stroke average was this last year it's this this year and if you can keep building on it like i'm still young for professional golf 24 is quite young but you do want to get there soon sooner rather than later but i just want to see improvement from my score and from my performances from results and then i'll be happy and if I see that, then the things that other people might set for goals, maybe like winning or this or making, uh, getting your European tour card or whatever will happen if you can actually, once you shoot better scores, then all that stuff just comes naturally, really. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're shooting consistently better scores, which is which it sounds like that's what you're after rather than, you know, a hot week followed by a cold week. Yeah, you'd much rather be shooting consistently, and and that gradual improvement over over time will get you where you want to be. Yeah, Consi- consistency is like you look at the best players. Like look at Fleetwood, say Fleetwood's unreal. He's 
even just he just seems to be up there every single week. There was a stage there he was felt like he top ten every week, and that's kind of if you top ten every week, you'll win once, maybe twice in that. Same with Colin Marikawa, he made twenty two straight cuts or something, won twice, and then won the major. So there's other lads who do it differently. There's more players that be more inconsistent, but the best players are all the most consistent when you think about even Rory who would, people would say oh he's not playing really well he'll come 15th or something you know that's that's the way golf is there's yeah. there's there's very few kind of you hear the stories of miss cut miss cut win but that doesn't happen too often no, that's it's very true i guess it's something that a lot of a lot of amateur golfers can can take from playing as well <laughs> yeah well, if you get, yeah, I suppose. But the thing about amateur golf is you have 40 points one week and you get cut, and then you're a different handicap the next week, and it's like, oh God, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you're talking, talking a little bit about your, your putting or something that you were working on. What were your, what were your strengths? Like, are you, are you consistent, like, you know, calling with the irons? Would that be mm. why you'd be throwing darts, or, or what's, where are yeah, you dangerous? I'd say I'm just, I'm I'm a good driver of the ball. I'm very straight. I'm generally very straight off the tee, and I'm relatively long. Not long, but I'm long enough. Uh, my arm play can't. It feels my arm play actually feels really good at the moment. I feel like I've great control of my ball, but it can be good. I would say it's it's one of my strengths. Definitely, it's something I'd like to improve, especially from say nine iron, eight iron down, to be able to just be a bit more make a few more birdies from there, you know, hit it inside 10 feet a little bit more, get your wedges a little better. Yeah, that there's always improvements in them areas. There's always improvements in all areas. Really. Uh, wasn't Paul, thanks very much for, for chatting to us and um, we'll, we'll catch up with you very soon. Perfect. Thanks, Johnny. On the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. 